gentleman and every other type of thing or person that identifies as the thing they want to be. Welcome to Nick Flanagan Weekly. I am Nick Flanagan. Uh, last week there was no weekly. Did the episode with Walter Scott. Maybe you heard it. I loved talking to Walter, but then... Uh, as seems to be happening nowadays, real-life events came into play. And, uh, you know, when there is a uh, tragic series of events on top of a pandemic, on, on top of civil unrest in a country that I'm not even in, almost breaking apart, and the country I'm in having to face up on some level, to the racism that we have and the flawed system that we possess. Well, you know what I do? I take a break. Not to vacation, but to listen. You know how everyone says that now? I'm li I'm, I hear you. I listen. I hear you. I listen. Yes, I was listening. Yes, I was reading. But more than anything else, I was shutting up. Because... A lot of people had a lot of things to say. There was a lot of noise, almost an absurd amount of it, and I just felt maybe it wasn't the time for me to try to add to it. I say a lot of the wrong things. In fact, I think my decision to not really do anything last week was definitely compounded by being on Twitter the day that George Floyd was killed. Former member of the f former affiliate of the screwed up clique in Houston. Uh, you know, father, son, person who was treated uh, not like a human being by the police in the United States and in Minneapolis. Uh, I was online on, tw on the Twitters that day, and there were all of these articles about racism. Not articles, whatever the trending thing, and they all seemed just meant to get people angrier and angrier and more and more stressed. It was not, I did not know about George Floyd at the time. I'm talking about that horrible lady who turned out to be Canadian, Amy Cooper. I'm talking about, there was something about Sean King, the activist, being a bit of a grifter, and, and you know, reading that in the morning, I was just like, ugh. And then. I always forget. There was oh, and then there was Jimmy Fallon being in blackface on Saturday Night Live, you know, eighteen, a really long, like eighteen years ago. And I'm not saying he needs to be quote forgiven unquote for having done that, but there's a much greater question about Saturday Night Live's constant use of blackface, and um, the way it does that, which is generally with people playing characters, uh, doing impersonations. That's a whole other conversation that I have no idea how to address, uh, nor would I want to. <laughs> but I'm just saying, I got there and I was like, wow, like this is all stuff about racism. It's good, but I'm overwhelmed. And then I tweeted something like, racism is a popular topic. Someone got mad, or at least asked why I would write something so inane. Sometimes I write inane things, sometimes I say inane things. But um, then the George Floyd news 
I heard that. Of course, I've been following stuff with Ahmed Aubrey and uh, Brianna T Taylor. That was the wife's name. I, I'm saying it from memory. But my point is, I've been following that stuff. I mean, it's heartbreaking every time you hear it. And um, I've been hearing it for years. Um, and it's always as frustrating as anything can feel. I mean, it, you really feel helpless. And I can only imagine how my friends or people of color feel. Uh, indigenous people, black people especially. Because in Canada, indigenous people, you know, ha have gone through a lot of what um, black Americans have gone through. And also indigenous Americans have gone through. Unfortunately, so I'm not saying I have any idea of what it must be like when these happen and you think, oh my God, that could easily be me. But I do know that when I hear that, I say, on the one hand, cops can do anything they want, ultimately. But I just say, why is life so unfair? You know, that's, that's what I go into. And so I tweeted this and it was an inane thing. And it made me realize that you know, the, one of the main differences, we talk about privilege, is the fact that, oh boy, I'm overwhelmed or annoyed that I'm getting all of this Twitter, social media, you know, bombardment. And this is before this series of protests happened. That's a different type of bombardment. That um, I fully accept and welcome. It's really good. And, and it's another reason to shut up is just one less voice, unless I'm sharing, you know, where people are meeting or something, what's the point, you know? Um, but I have the ability to turn it off. I have the privilege to turn it off. If I decide to not focus on, you know, race or people being killed by police, I can. And I likely won't be affected by it and go about my life. But if you're, you know, a black person, or, you know, one of the, one of the or, I don't know, or any kind of person who feels like they're the only one in the room, and everyone else knows it, and they feel disempowered because of it, that's something. As a Jew, I can maybe sympathize with, and as a person who has extreme anxiety and um, self-esteem issues, all kinds of shit. On some level, I can have a feeling of that stress, but it's not the actual stress. It's not based in real-world stuff. It's based on my own head to a large extent, but that's just not the case with being the minority in a room and the, the feelings that you can have because of that. So that's all. I made a dumb tweet and it made me shut up for a week. So, and I deleted it immediately. I mean, it wasn't, I wasn't canceled. It's all out on Twitter, but yeah, I just thought that was really a catalyst for me just saying, there's no way I'm participating in the discourse this week. I'm not as learned as a lot of people in the subject, learned, um, 
But I should let you know that I, I, I guess I go off on a few rants here and there on the podcast. But in case you're wondering where I stand politically, <laughs> and don't, you don't need to. It's just like, yes, I think drugs should pretty much be de- should be, de- be decriminalized. I think that people have more of an ability to either exist as users or stop doing it if they don't wind up in jail where there are drugs. So that's one thing. And then sex work, I think, is the same. It's a, Being arrested for sex work at this point is a threat a police officer could just hold above you because you likely won't be arrested for it otherwise. So that needs to become something safer where there is no fear of going to jail or no fear of having to go into some sort of underground economy that's not safe for you. You know, I think that the police should lose a lot of their funding and that a lot of what they do needs to be reallocated to more um, appropriate streams like counseling, mental health workers, you know, um, for assistance calls, there is no reason someone who is the source of that call needs to die or be injured or have their life at risk at all. I mean, they're calling because they feel that they're a risk themselves. Nonviolent offenders should never be getting shot at or treated in a way that risks their lives. And violent offenders need to be treated like human beings. I mean, this is a, a big part of it is criminals, you know, especially in the United States, are, are really a different class of person. You know, they're subject to worse treatment than your average person. And I'm not talking about in the jail. Of course, that's true. And that's its own thing. But I just mean, once you're gonna, people are trying to catch you, it's like kind of anything goes. It would be very rare that you would not, that a cop or two guys who decide they're cops and kill you would uh, get in trouble for it, you know. So that's how I feel about that. And I'm sure I will keep talking to people who have more to say about the subject, more experience in the field uh, of harm reduction or trying to dismantle the prison system. I don't know if I know too many people who have deep experience trying to dismantle the prison system. That's a lot of bricks. But you know, fighting for indigenous rights. Like, these are people who I, I, I want to have on the show, and I mean, if you know of people who would be good to talk to, uh, that write me, weeklypodcastgmail.com. And I don't know about you, but I do have some anxiety about going to a protest right now in the pandemic. And maybe I'm a scaredy cat. Maybe if I were in the U.S., it wouldn't be the case. I would go to these. I know that people are giving out masks, I know that all of the risk of disease mostly comes from, unfortunately, however law enforcement responds to it. 
but I still don't feel great in crowds. And if that's the case for you, you know, you can share information, you can throw money at legitimate organizations. Um, so research a bit. Always start local. That's what I would say. If everyone started local, it would swell up, you know. So, yeah, and just remember, too, it's more important for you to act in any way than for you to be on the Internet telling people where stuff is because there's a lot of people doing that. So if you just want to spend time researching organizations, texting friends, you know, uh, I read someone on, on Instagram was talking about, you know, mental health issues getting in the way, and it was almost accusing people, white people, with mental health issues of needing to get a handle on them in order because it's their responsibility. We can't do this kind of scolding too hard. Everyone needs, you know, it is a question of solidarity. It is a question of putting uh, as many people, to like-minded people together, acting. Acting. But if people can't for whatever reason, they can't. So, and they will when they can. And most of the time they are, if they have a lot of PTSD or mental health issues. Um, those are some of the most empathetic, sensitive people you will meet. And some of them are frontline workers. Some of them are, you know, at the front of marches. Then others are, you know, crying in their room or sleeping in the day or doing whatever it takes. And I think during a incredibly stressful pandemic, you know, we can't really, you can't fault people for not going to a march. Although in the U.S., maybe you can. I don't know. It's pretty intense out there. Things really need to be done. They need to be done in Toronto too, but. Um, in, in Canada, I always say Toronto. Isn't that horrible? It's going to curse me for life. It's, it just supports this stereotype about people in Toronto that we think Toronto is the center of Toronto. So, yeah. I guess I just wanted to let you know, in case you were wondering, that I am fully in support of less police presence, a lot of things in place of the police, a heavy duty approach to um, diversity in a lot of industries, particularly at the top. I know I've been guilty of uh, when things, I don't get something, it's like, being like, you know, I mean, even if, if it's being defeated before I get it, I'll say, well, Canada is trying to get more diverse voices stuff, so I'm, I'm kind of screwed. And it's like, even when I say that, I, I know it's a good thing. But the truth is, it's, it's on me if I can't get something going. It has nothing to do with diversity stuff. And I'm trying to remember that, too. Because I found 
I say that, and I go, well, yeah, but you know what I mean, right? Like, I don't actually mean it's a bad thing. I just mean, like, what am I supposed to do? And in truth, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> it's been a bit of an issue, but, I, you know, I would take... I would take the CBC or whatever company giving opportunities to uh, young people of color or people of diverse perspectives over me trying to present those perspectives, at least. It's not on me. And just remember, you, if you're not someone who is at prey of, of a police officer, potential prey. It's like, we don't, we have the luxury, the option, the privilege of checking out. And a lot of people don't. And have to live with the idea of racism, discrimination, tokenism, a million really irritating things. Really hard things to deal with that can't go away for them. So, I swear, this is an overly serious one episode. I just needed to do it. Um, if you have anything you want to talk about, just write me, weeklypodcast at gmail.com. I did not have a script or, or notes particularly for this, so if I said something and you want it to be clarified what I mean, sometimes I'm not as articulate as I want to be, just write me and I'll, I'll let you know. Stay safe. I hope you're well. And um, find some causes. Throw them some, throw them some money. Throw them some time. Coordinate some efforts. Take care. Oh, man. Nick. Oh, God. again. Weekly. Oh, man. Nick Flanagan Weekly.